0: This morning we are starting a new series, our Christmas mini-series uh, called "The Spirit of Christmas." Um, now, have you ever ever experienced or tried to organise a surprise for someone that didn't quite get the reception you expected? Uh, that, you know, a surprise which was meant to be happy and joyful, and the response was meant to be, hey! And, but the response you got from the person who you were organizing it for was like shock, uh, and maybe, uh, maybe, you know, a bit of like terror even. Um, so I was talking to Heather this morning, and, uh, Amy, my, my, my stepdaughter, Heather's daughter, when she was one year old, her first birthday, uh, Heather organized a birthday party for her, as you do. Uh, and, um, Amy was a bit overwhelmed by it all, and, I think the fact that the presents she was given by the lots of people who came to the house, which didn't help, were bigger than her. And so, whilst presents are a good thing, it was like, ah, these presents are, like, bigger than me. And she ended up in, like, a whole mess of tears and spent most of that party in bed. Which uh, is sad, but I'm sure she got the benefit of the presents afterwards. Not the reaction that was, perhaps, hoped for. So... The spirit of Christmas, we've heard even from David this morning around um, what people uh, say that Christmas means to them. And if, if I say to you the spirit of Christmas, what, what, what comes to your mind? Maybe it is that, that goodwill to all men, peace on earth, and things like that, which, which are all good things, as, as David said. Maybe you think of Scrooge, you know, the, the, the spirit uh, and the ghost of Christmas past, present, and future... Or maybe it's a spirit of tradition. Maybe uh, Christmas is the time of year where you do certain things for the only time in the year. Like you put up decorations, uh, you sing carols, and maybe you eat your one sprout for the year. (laughs) I love sprouts, by the way. But we're going to be looking at the spirit of Christmas from the spirit that started it all off. The spirit of God. The Holy Spirit. And the role that he played in the Christmas story. And to do that, we're going to use Luke's Gospel over the next few weeks through December. Uh, And today, we're going to focus on Mary and her encounter with God. You see, the Holy Spirit is integral to the Christmas story. He didn't just bide his time until Jesus got baptised and started his ministry. He was there right from the start of Jesus coming to earth, right from the start of the birth of Emmanuel, God with us. Indeed, just as the Holy Spirit is there right from the beginning of the Bible as he hovered over the waters in Genesis, just as he is there at the start of the church as he is poured out on the followers of Jesus in the book of Acts, and just as he is there at the end of time in Revelation, so too he is here in the town of Nazareth. God the Spirit initiating the entrance of God the Son into the world, given to the world by God the Father. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to read from Luke chapter 1. And we're going to start off with verse 26. It'll be on the screen. We're going, to, we're going to dip into Luke 1 a few times this morning. But we're going to start off with Luke 1, 26 to 38. So here we go. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Mary. That was perfect time, I've got to say. (laughs) That's a very Mary tune, isn't it, (laughs) actually? And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favoured one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Shall we pray? Holy Spirit, I pray that you would open our hearts and minds to you this morning. We humble ourselves before you. Uh, We say, Lord, speak to us. Speak to us. Uh, We lay ourselves before you again, Lord, in your mighty name. Amen. Mary is visited by Gabriel, an angel of God. This is clearly and understandably a frightening experience. And Mary is greatly troubled at first, as you can see. Gabriel recognises that she is greatly troubled by his appearance, a reaction he should be getting used to by now, after Zechariah, who seemed equally freaked out when, when Gabriel appeared to tell him just over six months ago in Luke chapter 1, verse 12, that Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, who are a bit old, would have a son. So Gabriel tries to reassure Mary in a similar way to how he tried to reassure Zechariah. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. He then proceeds to explain what this favour looks like. And he sort of builds it up into a crescendo of, of who Jesus will turn out to be. And in my head, I imagine it like this. So bear with me a second. Imagine I'm Gabriel, okay? And behold... You will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Come on. (laughs) Okay, I had the last bit. You can almost see him expecting a reaction from Mary as to how amazing all this is. Maybe a bit like, ta-da. Do you get it? But, Mary's question is more practical. I'm a virgin. How's this going to work? Got the hand there. Gabriel explains that this will happen by the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who will come upon Mary, and therefore the Son born of Mary will be holy, and that is why he will be he will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. That is why he is the promised Messiah. And his kingdom will never end. All of that, which Gabriel got really excited about, is possible because the Holy Spirit enables it. Just to pause momentarily and, to, and consider Gabriel's attempt to reassure Mary. His initial, initial line was Greetings, O favoured one, the Lord is with you. This doesn't perhaps have the desired effect initially, but later on, perhaps, once the shock of Gabriel's visit and revelation have subsided, Maybe Mary could reflect on these initial words from Gabriel which reassure Mary that the Lord is with you. This carries resonance as Gabriel is about to strongly reference the prophecy of Isaiah from the Old Testament who said the virgin son would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. God is with Mary already. That's the reassurance. How? By the Holy Spirit who has identified Mary for this biggest of privileges, this most awesome of tasks to carry and give birth to and raise and be mum to the Son of God. Mary, through whom God with us became reality in the birth of Jesus, has God with her now through the Holy Spirit. We're going to have a quick look, I say quick look, a look at three areas of response that Mary makes to this revelation. So number one, humility, willingness, and faith. It's kind of three in one. It's a good deal. Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. This is an extraordinary response from Mary right at the end of Gabriel's revelation to her. It's not just extraordinary because of what Gabriel has just said will happen. You're about to give birth to the Son of God but also because Mary accepts how it will happen by the Holy Spirit. In accepting this assignment, Mary is welcoming and inviting and being open to the Holy Spirit working in her. Not knowing what this would look like, she simply, humbly, willingly puts her faith in God. Mary could have said, ''No way, not for me, I'm good.'' She could have claimed she wasn't qualified. She's a teenager, mid-teens, probably no older than Ollie, or somebody else in the room, I can't see. Mid-teens, she's, she's too young. She's got no track record, perhaps, of, of, of doing anything along these lines. Her CV is pretty empty. And anyway, her, her life is mapped out for her. She's betrothed. She's legally bound or pledged in marriage to Joseph. Her life is already mapped out. She's about to be a wife. She's looking forward to growing a family. Of all the curveballs to be thrown her way, this one has come from left field. It's more of a boomerang that fizzes through the air, clunks her on the head, announcing that your life will never be the same again. And Mary would have known, even in the immediacy of this revelation to her, that this would have been a tough road for her. Pregnance before marriage equals questions being asked. Gossip, running riot, even her life in danger. And how would she tell Joseph? How on earth would she tell him of this assignment from heaven? Would he leave her to do it on her own? Or worse still, seek to publicly shame her? Mary had plenty of reasons on the face of it, very reasonable reasons, to say no to what God is asking of her. Just thought we'd flick back. To previous times when God asked people to do stuff in the Bible and when people didn't perhaps react as positively as Mary did and it makes some interesting reading actually so Moses, that giant of a man of God who was asked by God to go to, to Egypt and, and, and lead the Israelites out of Egypt wasn't particularly enthusiastic at first, has to be said who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt at Exodus 3 and 4. They will not believe me. I am not eloquent. I am slow of speech and tongue. Please, please send somebody else. (laughs) Gideon, in the book of Judges, when God called him, asked, how can I save Israel? He, he, He said he was the least of his family in the weakest clan of Israel. And he kept on asking God for signs that to prove that he would do what he said he would do. My personal favourite, Jonah. Maybe everyone's favourite, who, on being asked by God to go to Nineveh, turns round and goes in the opposite direction, <laughs> away from the presence of the Lord. Jeremiah says, "I don't know how to speak. I'm only a youth." And Zechariah, as we just heard, when 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 told that he and his wife would have a baby son in their old age, he wants to know how he will know God will do what he says. He wants, some, he, wants, he wants that reassurance. There are too many examples of men, actually, here, who show reluctance at the call of God on their lives. Mary is given the most astonishing assignment of them all, a fulfilment of the prophecy of Isaiah, it says in Isaiah 7:14, "Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel." And there's a lovely symmetry in Gabriel's words to Mary, which reflect Isaiah's: "Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus." Perhaps there's no accident that the prophecy from Isaiah, hundreds of years before, it was given through a prophet who had his own extraordinary encounter with God when he saw something of the glory of the Lord when he was left ruined at his and his nation's sinful states, and yet he was restored he was cleansed and to God's subsequent question of who shall I send? who wants to go? Isaiah replies immediately here I am, send me no hesitation, no conditions no excuses just send me Mary has a similar humility and willingness to be the means by which this prophecy is fulfilled. We're all prone to make excuses. I've made plenty over the years. I, I, I put God off for 15 years, from mid-teens to when I was 30, and plenty of times since. We have many examples of, of men in the Bible, of us guys, who try and make excuses, and often exasperate God with their reticence, I want to have a quick chat to you guys of the church, to you men of the church. You out there? Give me a uh. oh, come on. That was quite enthusiastic actually. What excuses do we make, guys? What excuses do we make? Rather than trying to get out of serving rather than trying to get out of serving God, rather than trying to avoid it, we should be busting a gut to do so. Rather than making other things our priority, whether that's work, whether that's our pet project at home, whether that's watching sport on TV, whatever it is, we should have Jesus front and centre. Rather than trying to live life in our own strength, we should be humbly and wholly reliant on God. Rather than lacking faith that God will move, we should trust that God will do what he says he will. And know that nothing is impossible with God. God is with you. That's the promise. God is with you. He has assignments for you to do. And we'll look at that a little later on for all of us. But I want to encourage all of us, but I want to encourage you guys in particular to humble yourself before God again this morning, to express your willingness to serve, to serve him, and to say this morning, here I am. Here I am. Send me. What I find massively encouraging is that these guys who didn't say yes immediately, who were reluctant in the first place, God never, God never gave up on them. And they went on to become mighty men of God. An amazing aspect of Mary's humility is that she doesn't know how this will play out. She doesn't know how it's going to end. She humbly and willingly says yes when there are so many unknowns. God lets Mary know what she needs to know for now. How mega important this is because of who her son will be. And that's what will happen through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's all she needs to know. Mary has to trust God with how Joseph and her family will respond, with how all of this will work out. sometimes we we demand to know from God all the detail. How will this work? What does this mean for me? How do I know this is the right decision? What's going to happen next week, next month, next year, ten years down the road? Trusting that God can make anything happen and that he will protect and love us as he works out his plans can be hard to do. We We sung in the song, we sung in the song? We sung the song before I will put my trust in you alone and I will not be shaken. If, you're silent, if, if, you're, if, if you know what's gonna happen and you've assessed it all and you've, you know, maybe, maybe some of you people are in risk analysis at work or something or uh, you're all about risk-based approaches, it's, it's all very dull in my head, but you assess the risk of something you're gonna do and you make a decision, you don't get the, you don't get to know. You don't get to know with God all the information and that's, that's the way it should be because it, it encourages trust. Put your trust in God alone and don't be shaken. Heather and I had considered adoption as a possibility since early on in our relationship. And then three and a half years ago, uh, a new day, uh, awesome Christian youth event, which I no longer go to because it's camping. Um, LAUGHTER Heather had a specific word from God that we would adopt two children from a different ethnic background. Literally a few minutes later, one of our youth came up to Heather and we'd we'd, we'd told no one about this at all. It was still very much just between us two. And said to Heather, I feel God's saying that you're going to adopt children from a different ethnic background. And that was, was, oh, okay. Um, (laughs) There's something about this. About a year later, there was an event here one Sunday evening where several Chinese pastors were visiting as guests of a charity which work in China on fostering an, adopt, an adoption placement for unwanted children. And what we heard that night uh, from, from the Chinese pastor guests on stage uh, really moved us. It was, uh, it was really quite powerful. And, and that became the trigger for exploring adoption. Fast forward to now, and we've, we've been approved to adopt. We've recently had a match. Um, agreed, in principle, and if things continue as they are, we'll have two new additions to our family as of February next year. Yeah. Which is brilliant. Yeah. I say all that because from God speaking to us at New Day, it's been a case of trusting God with it. We didn't push for it immediately because it didn't feel like the right time. But when when doors began to open and I mean, the timing felt right, We pushed. And so far, the process has been remarkably smooth. But even now, we still need to trust God for adoption. It doesn't end with getting the children through the door in February and that's it. God's answered our prayers. We can do it alone from now on, thanks very much. I have concerns about, you know, how they're settling. I'm taking adoption leave. I'm off work for eight, nine months. How will, how will I cope? All these things. Don't laugh, please. <laughs> it's true. I need help. All these things, which are really easy to worry about, actually, really easy to get concerned about, and actually things that I want, that, you know, I want answers. I want answers to these things. But, you know, we, we both know, I know that, that we need to trust God with this. Not just, not just until February, but beyond as well. And that's not always easy. At the moment of trusting in God, where Mary says, Let it be to me according to your word, Mary would not have anticipated the pain and the suffering that she would face of seeing, seeing her son killed on the cross. But later on, she would have understood. As she was part of the early church when the Holy Spirit was poured out at Pentecost. She would have understood that Jesus was born in a wooden stable in order to die on a wooden cross. To rise again, giving opportunity of new life to all who accepted it. This is God's master plan, this is God's rescue plan. That his son, born of the Holy Spirit, without sin, would die to take on the sin of the world. He would rise from death, thereby defeating it so that those who believe in him would not have to die but would have eternal life in relationship with God. That's the gospel message. And Mary wouldn't have known that at the start but she would have known it at the end. Some of you have known God working in your life for many years. There will be things that have happened in your lives which had you known back at the start what you know now you may not have said yes at the start, if you see what I mean. But this is how God works. He gives us enough for now with the promise that he has it in hand. For those of you who are struggling to see God working in your life at the moment or who have just maybe started out on the journey, I just want to say to you, open yourself up to God. What struck me in this story uh, is that Mary was told... Like in the first greeting bit by Gabriel, um, the Lord is with you. You are favoured, the Lord is with you. And she was told, Mary was told later on, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The two separate things. The Lord is with you, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. So I've got a graph. Can we have the. uh, Here we go, right, okay. Uh, I thought I'd get to look at somebody else, not me. so, timeline of your life, my life, life. Um, at the point that you accept Jesus, wherever it is on the timeline, young, old, doesn't matter. At the point you accept Jesus, God is with you. That promise to Mary, God is with you by His Holy Spirit, and that lasts forever. As we heard day from day before, I am with you until the end. Of the age. But there's also a promise of the Holy Spirit coming upon you. Of the Holy Spirit filling you. Now check out my design here. Look at this. (laughs) This was my skills in Microsoft Word this morning, I tell you. That's a joke, by the way. Um, There's a promise of the Holy Spirit coming upon you. Filling you. Jesus spoke about it when he said, streams of living water will flow out of the hearts of those who are thirsty. Paul encouraged us to keep on being filled. We have to be filled with the Spirit. We ought to be hungry and thirsty for more. You could extend that, whatever, that sort of container up to the top of the slide and beyond. There's always more. And there's always, that jug is empty, is like infinity by the way. It, there's always more. There's always more the danger is that if we feel far from God if we're disappointed if we feel let down by God and if we don't know what he, what he has for us we can shut off the supply I'm so proud of my thing I tell you it's brilliant but we can shut off the supply we can, we can cap it we can cap ourselves and, the, and thereby not welcoming the Holy Spirit into our lives we still have God with us that assurance is still there. But we close ourselves off to the Holy Spirit. We no longer step into the river. and Instead, we, may, we remain in the shallows. We remain on the edge, on the periphery. Maybe watching others enjoy the deeper water. I want to encourage you, and this is, this is seriously hard when nothing appears to be happening. Make a conscious decision to be open to God, to lift that lid off, to welcome the Holy Spirit And to say, when it it comes to the promise of the Holy Spirit being poured out, and it is a promise, to say, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me according to your word. It requires a step of faith. And to encourage this call to faith for Mary, Gabriel demonstrates the power of God by explaining that Elizabeth, Mary's relative, who is thought to be barren and is quite old, is six months pregnant, for nothing will be impossible with God. And this leads to our second second response, uh, which is mutual blessing and encouragement. We're going to have a quick look at Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 45. So the next the next bit of Luke, where Mary goes to visit Elizabeth. So it's on the on the screen as well. So in those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. of what was spoken to her from the Lord. God provided Mary with someone to go to, someone who would understand, someone who she could offload to and share her experience with. As well as providing reassurance that nothing could be impossible with God, Elizabeth's pregnancy provides Mary with somewhere to go, with an outlet for all that she's heard from from Gabriel. When she greets Elizabeth, the baby in Elizabeth leaps and Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit and an overflow of blessing pours forth from Elizabeth to Mary. This is what happens when those who are impacted by the Holy Spirit come together. There is a joining of hearts, a joining of spirits that brings a mutual joy, a mutual blessing, a mutual encouragement to one another. It's what church should be about, whether it's A Sunday morning setting here, whether it's pursuing God in the evening, which by the way, FYI is in the large hall tonight, not here. Just gonna say. Whether it's small groups, whether it's meeting up for a coffee, that mutual encouragement, that mutual blessing of each other, that that mutual joy you can share because because you know, because you've got God with you, and because you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And whether you're feeling a bit dry right now or not, that hunger and that desire and that thirst. You can you can you can do you can bounce off each other with that. The worst thing to do is to try and walk alone. If you if you if you're struggling with that, then we've got a free sea area over there. Go there afterwards, have a chat with Pete and whoever's over there, uh, to see who we can hook you up with. You know, it's don't don't do this alone. The last the last uh, aspect of Mary's response we'll, we'll have a quick look at is an overflow of praise. Mary has welcomed the Holy Spirit into her life, into working in her life. She has faith that God will work and she has been a blessing to and been blessed by Elizabeth. And the overflow for Mary is a beautiful song that pours out praise to God. The Magnificat. We're going to, we're going to read the start of that now. Just, just for the, first few, the first few bars, I guess. Um, Luke 1, verse 46 to 49. It's on the screen as well. And Mary said... My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. We sang it before. I love that song. I love that song. When you're struggling for a God perspective, magnify the Lord. Magnify the Lord. Make him bigger in your life. Exalt him. Remind yourself of how wonderful he is. How amazing and mighty he is. Remind yourself of his holiness. Remind yourself of why Jesus was born in the first place. Magnifying God and making him bigger from your perspective. And you can never make him too big, believe me. Humbles you. It can only have the effect of humbling you because you're, you're making yourself less And you're making God more. Magnify the Lord. The spirit of Christmas could be characterised as a joyful spirit. Joy is the characteristic response all through the birth of Jesus. From Elizabeth and her baby to Mary's Magnificat to John the Baptist's birth to the shepherds who had their own visit from Gabriel and were freaked out initially but actually went to find the baby Jesus with joy. Joy to the wise men, who were like chuffed to bits by seeing the star and following it to Bethlehem. This joy comes on the the back of an encounter with God, where God rocks up and changes people's worlds. It can seem scary at first. It can seem scary to encounter God or the prospect of encountering God. But rather than shrink God down to a manageable bite-sized chunk, rather than put up barriers recognise God for who he is he's holy there is no one like him it's right to fear God in a way that acknowledges as Isaiah did when he saw something of the glory of the Lord Lord you are holy you are pure who am I? who am I? And there's a reverence and an awe that should bring us to our knees and humility that recognises what God's done for us through Jesus. That recognises that we are free as we all declared before. That recognises that we are children of God. I was prayed for just before, just before I, was, I came up here and Matt prayed, you're a son of God. I was reminded that actually I've got authority because I'm a son of God you are sons and daughters of God and you have authority and that, 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 that's joy that, that should bring release and joy that knowing it's not down to us God's not only rescued us he wants to use us as well and this joy is to be shared with each other it's to be shared with the world around us it is for all people and it's sourced in a, in a humble willingness to be used by God in whatever way that he, he wants. All Nations Church, greetings, O oh favoured ones. The Lord is with you. Do not be afraid, for you have favour with God. And behold, you will go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Bedford, in all Bedfordshire and the UK and to the ends of the earth. That's God's plan for us. That's God's plan for you. It will look and work out differently for each one of you. But it's the same mission. It's the same call. It's the same plan. And you have a role to play in it. And if you don't know what that, what that looks like yet, that's okay. You don't need to know. You don't need to know right now. Just be willing and humble. If you feel like God has let you down on what you felt God has said to you in the past, don't get hung up on it. Don't let disappointment or hurt take you out of being an active part of God's plan. Retain a disposition of humility and openness to the Spirit want to be filled, ask to be filled, be filled. And so be ready and willing to be used by God, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Can I ask the band to come up, please? And if you're able to, can I ask you to to stand? So we've done some declaration already this morning, saying that we are free. I want us to also just declare to God what Mary said at the end of of, of Gabriel, basically. Steve, can I have the next slide, please. Recognizing that God is with you recognizing that the Holy Spirit wants to pour himself out over you let's say these words together can we behold I am a servant of the Lord let it be to me according to your word. come and worship come and worship come and magnify the Lord do not be afraid and I'm going to ask you to come to the front if you want to just make a step of I'm going to humble myself again before my God I'm going to, I'm going to land in the sand and say Lord I'm willing I'm willing to be used by you I want to magnify your name And if it requires a step of courage to step out of your chair and come to the front, and I know it does for many of you, and that's fair enough, I want you to do it. Come and magnify the Lord. Come and humble yourself before your God. And ask, ask again to be filled, to be filled with the Holy Spirit.